Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts. Welcome to the sixth episode of And the Ecot Goes To, a breakdown and predictions podcast for all the major U.S.-based award shows. Today, we continue our first season with a nine-episode mini-series on the 2023 Tony Awards. I'm your host, Spencer, and with me is our panel. Hello, I'm Kate Ranking. I am a theater is life on TikTok and YouTube, and I love seeing theater. Hi, I am JT Tranberg, and I also love seeing theater. Uh, I am JT Does NYC on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, all the socials. Today, we're going to start by discussing the categories of acting in a play and the Tony Honors for Excellence in the Theater. Today's categories include featured actor in a play, featured actress in a play, leading actor in a play, and leading actress in a play. We're going to start by discussing the Tony Honors for Excellence in the Theater, which is an honorary Tony Award given to outstanding contributors in the Broadway industry. This year, it is being given to Lisa Dawn Cave, a production stage manager, Victoria Bailey, the executive director of the Theater Development Fund, and the theatrical accountant, Robert Fried. Lisa Dawn Cave is currently the production supervisor for Disney's The Lion King and Frozen World Ride, along with the currently running in the Netherlands production of Aida. Lisa Dawn is on the board of Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS and a founding member of both Black Theater United and Broadway and Beyond Access for Stage Managers of Color and is an elected counselor for the Actors' Equity Association for 11 years. Amazing. Yeah, she, yeah, she um, has some lit credits, like Fun Home, Rocky, Cat on the Hot Tin Roof, um, The Color Purple, the original Color Purple, um, Carolina Change from 2004, like Into the Woods in 2002. Like she has like some like some some good shit <laughs> on her resume. Um, and she's been working for a long time and has definitely been around the block. So I think she deserves it. Yeah, another interesting thing is she started as a performer. She was in the original production of Cats in the late 80s as Antemil. Yeah. Um, and then went into stage management and like never performed again. But like, I just think that's so interesting that she did that and then was like, nah, I don't need to be in another musical ever again. Yeah, and because it, it looks like she was in Cats and yep, and ASMing Showbo at the same time. Oh my gosh! No, she was in Cats from '88 until '90, and then oh, ASM Showbo in '94. Another interesting thing about yeah is uh, she was an ASM on the original production of Parade. Um, to talk about this season a bit, was the stage manager for the 2002 revival of Into the Woods. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, Fun Home, as you said, and is currently the production supervisor for both Lion King and Frozen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that is Lisa Dawn uh, Cave. And again, interesting credits, very deserved. I always think um, the... The honorary awards are so interesting to see who they give them to. 
Our next honorary award is for Victoria Bailey, who has been the executive director of TDF, Theater Development Fund, since 2001. Uh, she played a key role in the construction of the TKTS booth in Duffy Square, um, the launch of the Autism Theater Initiative, uh, and the Veteran Theater Going Program, uh, implementation of TDF passports, and a 100% increase in TDF members. Um, she worked at Manhattan Theater Club for 20 years um, as a general manager. Yeah, also, again, someone who definitely deserves their praise. Um, she has been in the business for a long time. And the thing that that I think is great about like the Tony Honors for Excellence in Theater um, is I never, in my experience, have not seen a situation where they it's been like um like a shoe off like like award like just like, like we have to give this award away so let's give it to a random person like everyone like always like deserves it um, for you know their longevity in the business which is a feat in itself. <laughs> um and she like TDF and TKTS are like two huge pillars of the theater community um and especially when it comes to accessibility um and affordability which is a big a big 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 thing um that theater is lacking um and she's making strides to make that happen so I'm excited to see her get her Tony I think we also like underestimate how accessible TKTS makes Broadway because like there's a bunch of other things that are cheaper right like we have Russian lottery tickets but those aren't as visible as being a tourist and walking through Times Square and seeing that booth like that right. that has made discount options accessible on another level when you get to Broadway and you're like oh I can get 50% off tickets at a reputable place right here um right like that's right. tickets that I know aren't scalped tickets yep. that I know are, are real that you know well and and some another thing about TD not TDF TKTS is you know avid theater goers might not use it as often because mm -hmm. of rush and lottery and other things including TDF membership which um do end up being cheaper a lot of time but for those tourists that ease of use uh, that that booth provides is really um, just something else. And another thing about this award that I do think is interesting is it tends to be something that's not necessarily given to, to famous people, to names. It's people who, who do a lot for the industry that um, need to be honored, whether it's for longevity in the industry or whether it's for the work that is done um, by the industry. It's people that are really doing the work um, not necessarily people who are famous, um, which I think is interesting about this. And then our last honoree of this award, we have Robert Fried, who is a certified public accountant and for almost four decades has provided tax, consulting, and accounting services almost exclusively to the theater industry. Has worked on hundreds of theatrical productions during his career. During the early part of his career, he was a partner at the accounting firm that tabulated the Tony Awards ballots and attended the Tony Awards. Uh, he founded his own firm with his partner, Karen Kogios, focusing solely on the commercial and not-for-profit theater industry. 
Together, they represent the majority of commercial productions and non-for-profit theaters in New York. Um, he currently um, works with and represents some of the most prominent and successful Broadway musicals, including Wicked, Hamilton, Book of Mormon, New York, New York, MJ, Some Like It Hot, Bad Cinderella, and Juliet, Funny Girl, Hades Town, Six, Kimberly Akimbo, Moulin Rouge, and A Beautiful Beautiful Noise, Sweeney Todd, Shucked Parade, and others. I think that's just every musical. On I was Broadway. like, right, what, what right, is that not? Exactly. Which, one did, which one does he not work with? Um, again, another um, overlooked um, industry yeah. um, or aspect of the industry um, that deserves its praise because... Um, Again, industry uh, means that the word industry um, insinuates that there's money involved (laughs) somehow. (laughs) Um, And um, like somebody has to take care of that. And with all of the creatives dealing with the creative part, it's really hard to deal with that. Even, um, you know, and speaking, you know, even from the performer side, um, I'm an actor myself. And like, that is like my worst fear is like when I quit my regular job, because I can act full time, like, what do I do with my taxes? (laughs) You know? Um, And so these um, uh, folks who, um, like Robert, who have made their, whose whose life is to um, handle money for the theatrical community is super dope. Well, because we also have to think about the fact that every single show is its own company. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the, you're dealing with all of that. And to also speak more about Robert, um, he has participated in lots of lobbying to Congress, uh, which have to do with tax laws that impact the theater industry, um, is also speaking of TDF, uh, the vice chair and treasurer of TDF. Um, oh, wow. And so, and works a lot with the league and the government uh, to work on tax credits and such for the theater industry. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting every year reading these press releases from the Tony Awards um, about who they give these awards to, um, these Tony honors for excellence in the theater, um, because they, they are different than um, the honorary Tony Awards, which are given to more, sorry, not the honorary, the special Tony Awards, which are given to more actors, directors, high profile people. The Tony Honors for Excellence in Theater are really for um, the people who impact hero. the theater. Yes. Let us get started with our competitive categories for our episode today. Uh, today we're discussing acting in a play and we will get started with a featured actress in a play uh, for which we have five nominees. We have Nikki Crawford for Fat Ham, Crystal Lucas Perry for Ain't No Mo, Miriam Silverman for The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window, and Katie Sullivan and Kara Young for Cost of Living. Kate, who do you think is going to win? I have no idea. <laughs> like, this is the one category. I'm like, there's, is there a front runner? Like, I don't know. I literally, any of these women could win. I, in a perfect world, it would go to Crystal Lucas Perry, but I don't think people, enough people saw Ain't No Mo to pick her. Um, 
So I think I think it's going to Nikki Crawford personally. I think she's going to be kind of like the wild card pick this year, and it'll be assuming my worst nightmare and Fat Ham doesn't win best play. That may be the only award Fat Ham wins, which is devastating to me. But because of that, I'm going Nikki Crawford. JT, um, I agree with um. Kate, as far as Crystal Lucas Perry being like in an ideal world, um, her performance um, as Black, um, just that single scene um, was probably the best scene I've, I saw for the entire season. Like that best, my favorite one single scene of any show all season. Um, it was everything she acted her ass off (laughs) um she was great in that entire show um but that one scene just her physicality um her cadence um just everything in in that one that one character being comedic but also being tragic at the same time um it was fantastic um so the the best case (laughs) is that it goes um to crystal um, I definitely could see it going to Nikki Cropper for Fat Ham. Um, but I think it's I don't know who it's gonna go to. <laughs> um I haven't seen the sign in Sydney Brewson's window yet. Um, so I don't know um how I feel about Miriam Silverman's performance. Um, but uh Carrie Young uh deserves all the her flowers. Uh she's like the uh you know how there was like a point in like the mid nineties where Angela Bassett was like the actress, like of, of, of the mainstream uh, movie. Like she was like, uh, she was like everything, like, and anything that Angela Bassett was in, everyone saw. And it was the greatest thing ever because she was a fantastic actress and everyone was talking about her for like five years. Carrie Young is that right now. I feel like everything that she's in, She's fantastic. Um, and everyone is talking about her from Clyde and just everything. Just yeah, yeah. everything. Everything that she has been in. Um she's just been fantastic. Um, so I think this if she get just being nominated, I feel like has like put her career at a different place. Um, and then if she wins this, um, she's going places. Well, but also to talk about. Um, being nominated for the same award two years in a row. Um, did she win last year? No, Felicia Rashad won this last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is a category um, that's had some weird winners. <laughs> yeah, and so I think uh, Carrie Young was great in Clyde's and yeah. fantastic in Cost of Living. I That is probably my hope because I do think that I don't think they'll give it to Crystal Lucas Perry. Um Maybe. And I have a feeling that voters are going to be turned off by Fat Ham, unfortunately. Gross. And so I do think uh, cost of living is probably the safest bet. Um, I mean, Kara should have won it last year, so I won't be mad. Yes. <laughs> I also think I'm so thrown off by this category because for so long I've been like, Sharon D. Clark is winning Best Featured Actress in a yeah. Play. Not even nominated. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that was a weird one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I do think 
I think Nikki Crawford is is probably who I hope it it goes to, but would not be sad if it went to Carrie. Yeah. And I'm shocked that Miriam Silverman was nominated. She was great, but like, I don't know, very small role. Yeah, but I, I think she makes such an impact in that show. Like she's yes. her scene is just so powerful that I'm elated she got nominated. But I do I yes. it was it was shocking to me that that was, you know, the only Simon Sydney Brustein's Windows nomination. Well, and was Rachel Brosnahan eligible for leading or feature? Leading. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now, speaking of leading uh, actress in a play, let's go to leading actress in a play. Our four nominees are Jessica Chastain for A Doll's House, Jodie Comer for Prima Facie, Jessica Hecht for Summer 1976, and Audra McDonald for Ohio State Murders. What an interesting set of nominees. Um, I... I... I don't know where this one's going. I would like, okay, I'll put it this way. Who do I think is going to get the Tony nominee is Jessica Chastain. Who would I like to see get the Tony award? Did I say Tony nominee the first time? Sorry. Yeah, Who do did. I think will win the Tony award is Jessica Chastain. Who would I like to win this Tony award is Jessica Hecht. Her performance, I don't know if, she was just like feeling her oats the night that I saw 1976, but that woman acted her titties off. Okay. Like that woman, yo, <laughs> the things that she did to my emotions, she was so good in set 1976. She was so very good. good. So good. She was very good, but this is Jodie Comer's to lose. Jodie Comer, in my opinion, is by and far the front runner. There's, there's no, there's no competition here. <laughs> Could it be Jessica Chastain? Sure, but if right. if it is, it'll be an upset. <laughs> well, and interesting that in all of this, we're not really mentioning Audra. Audra's um, lucky to be nominated, honestly. Yeah, I, I think we were all kind of shocked. Um, Look, she was great. She was great. When you compare the one-woman shows alone, yes. what Audra had to do on that stage was very, very almost, it was brilliant in how subtle she had to be the entire show. But when you put it compared to Jodie Comer running around the stage by herself. Also, Ohio State Murders isn't a one-woman show, but it feels like one. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> um, I described it to someone as a 90-minute show. No, it was a 60-minute show. It, as a 60-minute show that felt like it was four hours. Long. That is exactly right. It was so long and it was yet so short. <laughs> Um, and Audra was great, but if I want to see Audra, I want to see Audra singing. Um, and so uh, I do think that it'll probably go to Jodie Comer or Jessica Chastain. Um, I seem to be the only person in the world who didn't like Summer 1976. Um, and so. I mean, it's very, I just did my review for it. I got to edit it and post it, but it's very like, it was entertaining in the moment. 
did not stick with me at all. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. It was like one of those like feel good summer blockbuster. Um, not summer blockbuster, but like summer slice of life films that you go and see one summer and then you completely forget about it <laughs> a year later. <laughs> and now, oh, JT, who do you think? You think it's... You said who you wanted. Who who do you think is going to win? Oh, um, I mean... Did you yeah, say Jessica? I mean, yeah, but but like Kate, you made good points. Uh, <laughs> you made really good points. Um, yeah, I'm Jody Comer will probably take it, but I mean, I definitely I could see a world where Jessica Chastain takes it. I could. Too. I don't know if I can see a world where Audrey McDonald takes it. Well, and so then let us go to um, to featured actor in a play, uh, of which we have five nominees. We have Jordan E. Cooper, Ain't No Mo, Samuel L. Jackson, The Piano Lesson, Arian Moyad, A Doll's House, Brandon Uranowitz, Leopoldstadt, and David Zayas, Costs of Living. I was shocked by David Zayas getting a nomination, and yet I was so ecstatic. Yeah, same. About it. His performance in that show is wonderful yeah. and deserved a nomination. I was also surprised Jordan E. Cooper got a nomination, but also pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Yes. Yeah, when they said, best featured actor in a play, Jordan E. Cooper, A Normal, I was like, yeah. Yes. yes, I literally screamed at my computer. No, I mean that that made me so happy, um, because it was deserved. Yeah. Um, I do think that this category is probably Brandon Uranowitz's to lose. I agree. Uh -huh. I agree. Um, he carries that play, in my opinion. Yes, and uh, would not be disappointed if Arian Moyad, uh won it also agree he also. was fantastic and he played he played oh i always forget that the husband's name what the heck is his name it's, um but he played him in a way that i have never seen before in that like you almost like him um even though he's you know kind of an ass yeah, so I have, I still haven't seen Leopoldstadt or Doll's House, um, but every time I hear conversations of any type um, involving the acting of those shows, these names are always brought up. Um, so clearly, if everyone else sees it, then we know that Tony voters see it. Um, so I definitely think that it's going to be one of the two of them. Well, and, and Brandon Uranowitz also has to stand out in that hugely large cast of people in Leopoldstadt <laughs> and the fact that he's able to um you know stand out amongst many I think means more in my book but mm -hmm. would it be great for Jordan e. Cooper to win absolutely yes. 
<laughs> yes, it would. I unfortunately think there is zero chance of that. I, I think so too, but I can yeah. dream. <laughs> I mean, the man is nominated, and I'm sure that he's ecstatic about that. A lot, yeah, so. yeah, double nominated. Yes. Yeah. Well, and to be, you know, I don't remember. He's young, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's in his twenties. Yeah, and so to be double nominated, to be a two-time Tony nominee at that age, yeah, he'll he'll be just fine. Um, but we think Brandon Uranowitz is our consensus yeah. for yeah this category. So. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's who I'm rooting for too. I think he it's well deserved, and he's just so good. Does does he have a Tony yet? Does he? I'm googling because he he's been nominated multiple. Yes. Uh, okay, let's look. Uh, no, he. This is his fourth Tony nomination. He has lost every time. I mean, we don't know about this time, but um, all for yes. for act for featured actor. All for featured actor, either in a musical or a play. Right. Two in each. Two featured actor in a musical, and two featured actor in a play. Nice. Uh, for an American in Paris, Falsettos, Burn This, oh, yeah, and Leopold. Oh, was an American in Paris. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it would be well-deserved for Brandon Newman. Oh, well-deserved. Well-deserved. Fantastic career and deserves a Tony Award at some point. And this play um, is the one that will give him it. Because he, as Kate said, carries it. He does. He does. Um, do we have anyone who we feel, um, and in our, our last uh, two categories as well, anyone that we feel was snubbed? Um, I was very shocked about um, Andre DeShields not getting a nomination mm. for <gasps> Featured. I don't know. I kind of forget he's in that play. <laughs> right. That's that's where I was going with that. And of course, we also mentioned Sharon D. Clark for featured yeah. actress in the play. Yes, 100%. And Nathan Lane was leading, right? Correct. Yeah, last minute okay. leading. Yeah, because I think we all thought that he was going to be in this category. I think also Chris Sullivan uh, would have been great uh, for featured actor in a play i probably would have given it to uh chris sullivan over uh, samuel jackson yeah Mm. i also um uh was surprised that we didn't see billy eugene jones in this category for fat ham hey there listeners when the panel takes a quick intermission i wanted to tell you about another bloop network podcast thrash and treasure where we torture the world's greatest artists with musicals comedy, and heavy metal, even Tony Award winners. Here's a quick sneak peek. With Tony winner and Tony nominee this year for Best Sound Design of a Musical, Gareth Owen. I think that also applies to producers getting people to stand up at the end of shows to entice everyone behind them to stand up as well. Stop doing that shit. Yeah, we all know know there's two different sorts of standing ovation. There's a type of standing ovation where everyone stands up. 
And then there's a slightly standing ovation or someone in front of you stands up and suddenly you can't see the stage anymore. <laughs> so you sort of feel like, oh, I suppose if they're going to stand up, I kind of now have to stand up. And you sort of see it rippling back through the auditorium. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then there's the sort of guilty standing ovation where enough people stand up that you kind of feel, oh, come on, I can't be the person who doesn't stand up now, can I? So I guess I'm going to have to stand up as well. You know, there's, there's, and then there's the kind of standing ovations like the end of Come From Away or the end of Tracy Bennett's performance at End of the Rainbow on Broadway where the lights go down and bang, every member of the audience is on their feet in half a second. That's a real standing ovation. And you can tell the difference once you get used to watching shows. Yeah, no, we've, we've actually asked a, a lot about the um, standing ovation in terms of do people think it's lost their meaning over the years? I, I really do. I feel like I feel like I feel like almost every show. In fact, to be honest, I can't. I actually feel like I can't really remember the last time I did a show where it didn't get a standing ovation. It's just. I mean, I guess I've been lucky and I've done quite a lot of hit shows, but at the same time, I just think it's become a thing. And as a result, it doesn't really no. matter. You can, as I say, you can still tell the difference between a real one and you know, oh, it's the end of the yeah. show. We should stand up and applaud. But. I honestly, I'm hard pushed to remember. It's not not many shows these days that don't. Yeah, it has lost its meaning. I think. I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion to say are musical theatre shows deliberately manipulating the audience to applaud. Well, I'm more I'm more interested in the idea of that being put across as a bad thing because at the end of the day, people applaud because they enjoy they're enjoying themselves. And, you know, I don't, I don't believe that, you know, I don't believe it's like the old days of the movies where they used to put in one frame in, in 24 that said applaud, that tricks people into, I, I, you know, people are applauding and cheering and laughing and crying at good shows because the show has made them do that. Now, there are no end of psychological tricks that you can use to encourage people to do that. Those are the same psychological tricks that Elvis would have used to make a great song. It's it's just part of it's part of art. It's you know you know does does did Van Gogh think about you know I'm going to make people stop and stare with this particular picture of a fucking sunflower? Yeah, but you know there's no end of things about it that trick the mind into making a great Jesus. You know, that's amazing, and that's art, isn't it? I mean, it's not. I, I don't. It's. I. I would hope it's not quite so deliberately cynical as okay. Here's fifty ways of making an audience laugh, cheer, and cry. Let's make sure we tick every single box in the construction of our new musical. I'd hope it's not that cynical, but that's part of. It's part of the art of of creating art, isn't it? Manipul- manipulating the people who are viewing or hearing that into having a good time, into enjoying what it is you've created. Yes, I edit every episode to sound literate. <laughs> you know, you can, you can really dig into it from a sound engineering point of view as well. I mean, no, no singer sounds like they sound in a musical theatre show if they're singing in your front room. They just don't. There's thousands of tricks that every studio engineer, every live sound engineer is using to make performances sound as good as possible. I I was having a discussion with a drummer the other day who said, well, you know, the drums don't sound the way the drums sound. And I was like, no, No. they don't. No, No recording of drums in history sounds like drums sound. 
this idea that a kick drum hits you in the chest, that a kick drum goes boom, boom, boom. That's not how a kick drum sounds. That is how sound engineers for decades have made kick drums sound. That's how the public perceives kick drums to sound. You can get Thrash and Treasure anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And now, back to And the EGOT Goes To. And now, um, our final category of this episode, we have leading actor in a play, of which we also have five nominees. Um, we have Yahya Abdul-Mateen II for Top Dog Underdog, Corey Hawkins for Top Dog Underdog, Sean Hayes for Goodnight Oscar, Stephen McKinley Henderson for Between Riverside and Crazy, and Wendell Pierce for Death of a Salesman. Um, I think this is Sean Hayes' award to I lose. agree, mm-hmm. but honestly, this could 100%. be a five-way tie. <laughs> there, there, is no, there is no other category that I feel like it is literally five juggernauts. Any of them could win. I do not care. I want them all yeah. to win. I want literally all of them. I would probably vote for Corey, but I think Sean Hayes wins. I would actually, my favorite performance out of these five was uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson. Yeah, he was also great. Again, all five. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little shocked. Um, I think we all were that both of the Top Dog guys uh, got nominated. Um, and I also think that that's why they're not going to win is because they canceled each other out. Um, but that's what we all said about nominations. Honestly, I think all five of them cancel each other out with the exception of Sean Hayes because he plays the piano. <laughs> like He's got, uh, this is the category that I feel like it comes down to just being a talent show. Like who does the most insane thing on stage? And it's yeah. Sean Hayes. <laughs> but Well, and I was talking about this um, with some people earlier. What of the new plays this season, we think we'll have a life regionally. And I think it will be very hard to do Goodnight Oscar because um, you need someone who's a classical pianist or you do it with like a player piano, but yeah, that takes away true. the fun of it. Like if Rhapsody in Blue is like nine minutes long. You're not going to have someone sit there for nine minutes yeah. and fake playing the piano. Like you, or you need to find someone who could do it. And I think there are very few people, although I'm sure there are, are a good amount regionally. Sean Hayes' understudy just went on. And mm-hmm. I'm very curious, like how the understudy does it. Well, that's probably interesting. Do we know anyone who was there? I don't know. <laughs> hey, listeners, if any of you were at Goodnight Oscar uh, when Sean Hayes' understudy was on, uh, please uh, DM us on Instagram or Twitter and let us know how it was because we are all very interested in it. Does he play the piano? Let us know. I assume so. I assume. I mean, I, I saw it pre-Broadway. I still haven't seen it on Broadway. Um, it, I, I, I walked out speechless. I mean, yeah. with, with him playing the piano it's and such a doing moment. that, that was crazy. I mean, we talk about those theatrical moments that you never forget. Um, and that, that was certainly one of them for me this season that I'll just, I'll never forget that. Do we have any other uh, moments this season that we'll never forget? I think the chase scene from Some Like It Hot. Ugh, yes. Yeah. The, the, first, the first time the giraffe pops out of the set in Life of Pi. Yep. 
shook me to my core. I was like, this is gorgeous. Um, I think a moment that like really is stuck with me is um the karaoke scene in Fat Ham. Um yes. it really that like is a standout. Like when I think of that show, I think of that scene. Yeah, that's um, that's that's why yeah. that show was my top show of last year was because of like the karaoke scene just took my breath away. Yeah. I think for me also, um, Kimberly Kimbo, the ice skating. Yeah. I, I I didn't see it at the Atlantic. And so I saw it for the first time on Broadway and was shook to my core by um, the ice skating. And I think also talking about, since we are talking about plays right now, um, some of those play moments. Um, uh, uh, Leopoldstadt, um, that ending of that play um, where you have all of them surrounding him. I think that that's another one of those, you know, moments where they, where they say how they all, you know, died. Um, I feel like that incredible. moment, I mean, you know how much I think that, yeah. that that play should have been directed better, but how more powerful would it have been if they had just come out into the audience? Oh, so much more powerful. Like from the back of the theater. And yeah. as he's saying the names, they just stand in the aisle, like, yeah i need a director production of like Pulpstad. um for me also eight no mo when they try to get the audience involved i love that yeah. i love that moment mm-hmm. just the discomfort of the audience and the um the elation of the audience i agree with you 100 percent and um eight no mo. um yeah. oh and you know i don't since we're talking about plays um you know, a moment that also stuck with me a lot is the first time that she's showering him in Cost of Living, that very, 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 yeah. very, very first time. Um, there's just like, there's like a moment. And I, I saw it like three times and, and she did it every time. There's like this moment where she's like drying him off and he says something and she just looks at him like in silence for like 15 seconds. Oof. And it's just like, wh- like, it's just, it's it just like brought chills to my bones. Like, oh, she's so good. <laughs> she is so good. The rain in Prima Facie. There's something in Shucked. I don't really know what it is for me. I think it was just like, <laughs> All of it. Alex Newell singing the whole the whole show is just a moment that I'll never forget. Um, I'll never forget the first time I saw that show, having no idea what it was going into it. Yeah, there's a couple moments unchecked for me. One is the corn mix, um, yeah, and just the way that that was staged because I think it's beautiful. And the other is Gray Henson be like, "I'm gonna be a part of this number because I like yep. it." <laughs> <laughs> New York, New York, if we're speaking of moments, we cannot forget that moment at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, I where won't the... spoil it, but that don't, moment is. Don't spoil yeah. it for that. Perfect. With, with the title know. song. You will know when you see it. <laughs> you will know what we are talking about. It is incredible um, and unforgettable. Um, and I think that that's part of what we sometimes forget about is, you know, those those moments in those 
those things we see. I mean, I I was just talking about uh, with I've seen Phantom one time on Broadway and it was a lottery seat. So it was front row and getting to experience that show from the front row with the orchestra right there is one of my favorite theatrical experiences I've ever had. And so I think it's important to mention those moments that we all have from this season, Um, even non-nominated shows um, this season, if anyone would like to. uh, Bad Cindy. Look, I saw Bad Cindy again and I sat on the side. Um, And by the time this episode airs, Bad Cindy will be closed. (laughs) So I can spoil it. But there's there's a moment where one of the performers uh, interacts with the audience and one of the performers stared into my soul and I will never forget it. Oh, you were, you were on that side. Yeah. 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 I had that too. Did she flirt with you? Uh, she flirted with the guys next to me. (laughs) No, I mean, she was like hardcore flirt. It was funny. Yeah, No, it was, it was, Um, it was amazing. That show is wonderful. (laughs) I think also parade. Um, there's a lot of moments in that show for me. Mm, Um, but the Shema at the end of that show yeah. kills me. In Camelot, um, the entire, just the entire Fion Goodness sequence where they're rotating between the three scenes, just the way that that is staged, I adore it. Um, and I, I hate that song, but that sequence was fantastic. Um, something that, that also stands out to me um, in the Thanksgiving play, like the there's always like like a ten second delay after the video before anyone says any dialogue, and it just to make you like sit in the fuck shit that you just watched. <laughs> um, and it's so great, and it like really like drives in that point. And then also her last line of that show, like the best way to 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 do it is to not do it. It's like yeah. the greatest. I think there's a the greatest <laughs> line of, of theater ever. Yeah, I mean that play, play was was it's so great. Um, it it closes uh, pretty soon, I think. So Ugh, tragic. Yeah, uh, closes June eleventh. So uh, go see that while you can. And also, I uh, believe it is read regional in a bunch of places uh next season yeah I, I i've seen it at, so much on like i know stuff. it's at steppenwolf next season and so uh if you can't see it on broadway until june 11th make sure you see that play uh next season regionally because it's a fantastic and poignant and hilarious play and i first saw it regionally and i feel like it it holds up no matter where you do it as long as you have you know strong actors in that role so it's I think it's it's a it's a show that's going to succeed very well regionally. Well, and that's something that we can talk about now too. Is um, what shows do we think will tour um, play wise? Because normally we don't see a lot of play tours. Hmm. I think we might get a couple from this year, um, namely Life of Pi and Leopoldstadt. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I definitely think we see a Life of Pi tour. And if I, I think we either see a Leopoldstadt tour or have it like do an LA Chicago thing, uh, like of limited engagements, um, I wouldn't be surprised. 
I think Prima Facie does an LA run next. Yeah, I mean, that's starting to be more of a thing is a LA run after Broadway, um, which I don't hate. Um, I would love for, because I feel like um, due to Ain't No Mo's situation on Broadway um, and the fact that, you know, patrons like saved this show for a couple more days like shows that people will go see it but you know we don't know what happened all i mean we have speculations we don't know like exactly what happened like behind the scenes to like like not save it uh, you know keep it running for sure like for good but people will go see that show all kinds of people if this was five years ago i wouldn't have been able to say all kinds of people but i think that all kinds of people all over the country would go see Ain't I'm hoping Ain't Mo does a like a victory lap. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna win anything, but I think they could still bring it back for like a like a month long run at the end of summer. Something like a because there's gonna be you know. I wouldn't be surprised if Ain't No Mo did an LA Chicago thing. Yeah, like I and it's also it's also being produced regionally too. Yeah, I. Well, and that's another thing to to think about, you know, regionally. Um, what of these plays do we think will have a more regional presence uh, versus a tour? Um, whereas I think like Fat Ham, I don't know that Fat Ham will tour, but I think that he'll have a really great regional presence. Fat Ham is already part. It's all first of all, the Broadway production already has an LA production booked. It's playing at the Geffen yeah. with the Broadway cast and the broad. Well, not the cast, but the Broadway production, <laughs> um, most likely the cast. Um, but that's that. That's already a show that like, it is. Fat Ham, Lehman Trilogy, and Potus are in every <laughs> every regional theater season's upcoming season. I would say they're already now, a success. And in terms of high schools um, doing any of this, I, I think um, I think we actually do see uh, Sign and Sydney Brewstein's window in in more high schools. A three hour play? Yeah, high schoolers can do it. Um, and I'd love to see the the goes wrong uh, stuff. Yeah. Done in I, mean, I, I know play that goes wrong is done a lot, but I do think mm-hmm. uh, Peter Pan. I can see I, a... I can see summer in nineteen seventy six like being done well like region uh, regionally like especially in the south. Um, I come from the south, and let me tell you, the south loves a good like three person cast show that they can run in their black box in between main stage musicals. They love like a good two or three person cast show. So I could definitely see summer 1976 doing very well in, you know, like at the Tallahassee Little Theater or, <laughs> 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 or something like that. Um, so yeah, for sure. Summer 1976, maybe even like a Top Dog Underdog situation, depending on the market. Depend- Top Dog Underdog is already hugely successful yeah. regionally. So... Well, and in terms of tours, I don't, I think every musical has announced a tour except for Shucked. And K-pop. And K-pop. And Almost Famous. And Almost Famous, yeah. Um, But I I wouldn't be surprised if 
If we get a shucked tour. Shucked is going to be huge in high schools when those words come out. Everybody is going to do shucked. Do so well in high schools. And I will see every high school production of shucked. And (laughs) when at the end of 2024, when all these high schools are doing their TikTok uh, musical reveals, um, Shucked will be on all the boards and Shucked will be the last what? show on all the boards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think uh, out of all of these shows in terms of what will be successful touring wise, of course, And Juliet and Beautiful Noise will okay. have no issue at all making a profit on tour. Um, but I do think uh, as we've mentioned in past episodes, Kimberly Kimbo. Um, will have a hard time touring um, just because they need a name. They do need a name. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they cast in that role. Oh, uh, yeah. But and, it's also, it's a cheap show. It's a cheap show to tour. Yeah. Um, New York, New York will be a very expensive show to tour. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm very curious how that show tours. One, yeah. both like logistically what they choose to tour with that show tech-wise but also and orchestra wise actually and orchestra wise but also like how do audiences react to new york new york i almost think that they'll like it better than new york audiences that's interesting because i do think part of what makes i think i agree with you that part of what makes it different is it's in new york and i think it would be very different to see it not in new york yeah um and then i think some like it hot will have a great time touring. yeah it'll um, be fun have no issue it's a it's it's a set that's kind of already kind of built to be toured yeah um but they i mean they have the train but other than that that's really the only large set piece because they have all the doors that's easy to tour <laughs> i don't know they didn't have a door on the legally blonde tour so who knows <laughs> and do we think that we will see a parade tour or production uh, in la i don't i don't know I... about a tour but i definitely think that we could see like a production like a remount of this same production in a different city but i'm not sure about a tour thank you for listening to this week's episode of and the egot goes to join us in the next couple of days in our lead up to the tony awards where we discuss the design and direction nominees for musicals this week we'll have three episodes out we have this episode we have design and direction of a musical And, of course, we have our big four categories, Best Play, Best Musical, and Best Revival of Play and a Musical. We're really excited for the next couple of days. And, of course, join us the week after the Tony Awards for a recap 